Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer and Friends coming to you live from Townsend, Montana, which is about 30 miles south of uh, Helena, Montana. And we're glad you're with us tonight. We've got a great show for you. Um, we're going to, right off the bat, after we get through all the introductions, we're going to uh, head out to the Oregon coast. We're going to be in Coos Bay, Oregon, on the actual bay uh, with Basin Tackle Rob, uh, who's out fishing, just talking to me. In a matter of five minutes, the dude catches a fish while we're talking. Uh, people like that just irritate the hell out of me. Um, and so he's going to be joining us right off the bat, talking about orcas, in the bay um, and other fishing uh, fun and things going on on the coast. We also have a really interesting interview coming up a little bit later in the show um, with a gentleman named Andy Pollock. And Andy's daughter, Meadow, was murdered in a school shooting along with 17 or 16 other people, mostly students, uh, back in 2018. And Andy has done a ton of research on what we need to do and you'll be really surprised on our show to find that it has nothing to do with gun restrictions and everything to do with following the laws that we already have and making kids accountable and getting them the help that they need when they're actually crying out for help, changing school policies, doing some stuff like that. It's a very, in fact, I cut the interviews about a half hour. It's only going to be like 10 minutes of it because I'm going to run a whole show just on that coming up in a, in a week or so. So that's coming up. We also have Bill London with uh, your local Oregon news. Our sponsors tonight are Roser Real Estate Group. Um, they are awesome. And uh, Derek's going to be doing his Taco Tuesday talk. Uh, Buck Sanitary Service. Uh, they're also one of our sponsors. We love having them around. And Chris Dental Family Dentistry. So all that's coming up in just a second. We're going to head out to the Oregon coast first right after this. <music> Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. So here's what you can do right now. Hit the share button on your page. It'll share it on your page. Not asking you to put it anywhere else. Just put it on your page. And then anybody that comes to your page can see that. And that helps us get the show out there. So let's go to live in Coos Bay, literally in the Coos Bay. We're not talking in Coos Bay town. I'm talking the Bay. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Outstanding, Rick. Hey, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic evening wherever you are. I know you got followers and viewers from all over the planet, which is pretty cool. And here we are on the bay, uh, basically an estuary, basically an attachment to the Pacific Ocean, and we're catching fish live. Of course, I was hoping to get one just before coming on live and kind of play them out for a while and be like the big shot, but I won't catch a fish until after we stop the live broadcast. But like Rick said during the intro, I did actually catch one and bring it in. Got my two little ones with me. We've got six fish. Limit is 15. We might not stay for a full limit. We have a lot of fish. We put a lot up in the freezer. We eat a lot fresh. We share it with friends and family, you know, folks that can't get out and do it. We just live in the most amazing place in the world grossly mismanaged but the most amazing place in the world and uh rick and i've been talking about orcas again and first off they're not killer whales we call them killer whales they're actually a member of the dolphin family and rick was asking why why are they all over the coast 
Well, as a marine biologist, about as much of a marine biologist as George Costanza was. So I, I, I have no background in marine biology at all. But <laughs> in 10 years, two months and three weeks of, of living in this most magnificent place on Earth, I have learned that things are very cyclical, very cyclical. Uh, there's times where certain species of fish are tough to get for two or three years and then they come back on that it's bad for two or three years. Crabbing is very much the same way. It goes in a four year cycle and seals and sea lions have that same cycle. And you know, everyone thinks they're cute, but when you watch them up close and personal, they're pooping on each other. They're fighting. They're like, if it's like the view, I don't know if you ever watched the view. It's very similar to, to oh, that. You, so do you name the sea lions and seals joy? And, and oh, yeah. Rosie whoopee. It's funny, people, people with like the joyous names are like the most miserable people on earth, but that's okay. <laughs> well, so what I think is because of this, this uptick of pinnipeds, which are seals and sea lions, these orcas are coming in and some of their favorite food is seal and sea lion. And they, they get in here and they hunt them down. And it it's an amazing thing to see. It really is. I've, I've had my drone out before trying to get some of that footage and it never worked out. But when they... So, so Rob, you guys, fishermen, you love the orcas. We love they, the orcas. We love in, the orcas. They come in and kill and eat all this, not all, but they eat their, their lunch and have uh, sea lions and seals, which are eating your fish. And Absolutely. But I had a question because I asked you this earlier. Don't the orcas understand that seals and sea lions, at least sea lions, I know for sure, are federally protected. So they are really breaking the law. Yes, Don't no. Orcas. Absolutely. The orcas are fully aware. Um, in fact, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife will go out with bullhorns and warn them, you are committing an illegal act. Cease and desist immediately. And uh, and they don't seem to care. They don't seem to care. They're like uh, they're like Antifa of, of the wild. They'll just go create mayhem and do what they want, except it's the Antifa that I like. And and no wonder they're they're referred to as killers because you know they're not they're not towing the line and not going along with what everybody else is doing. They're kind of they, like you and me. Exactly. Yeah. If, if, if you die and come back as Rick Dancer or a killer whale, you pretty much call the shots. So, Rob, you know, one of the things I really like about killer whales is, is it's black and white. There's nothing gray. They're just black and white. You know, that's, that's very good. That's very I, I, I've got nothing. I have nothing in rebuttal to that or to add to that. That's awesome. What does what what a killer whale taste like? What is which? What does a killer whale taste like? I don't know because I haven't got one yet. But if I get one, I'll be the first kid on my block to make a steak out of one. In fact, whale, how could whale brisket not be good? They eat fatty seals and sea lions. Oh, I heard that they taste a little bit between like from friends who've eaten them. It's just kind of a, a, a cross between spotted owl and and a sea lion. You yeah, know? I, I've heard I've heard whooping crane and peregrine falcon with with <laughs> with just the, the afterbite aftertaste of a bald eagle. And, and a little bit of marbled merlet in there. Exactly. <laughs> we have Here, just, wanna, we've offended wanna, the environmental community. I want to show y'all the uh, just talking about different species and stuff. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to zoom this in and wreck anything, but you can't tell because of the you know the video makes it look further away. But that is a bunch of pelicans right behind us. I could I could literally take a penny and flip it and hit one. They're that close. They probably look a little further away in the video. But there's, it, it's amazing out here because you get in these places where animals that are typically kind of skittish of human beings, like there's even game birds that'll land. We'll have geese and ducks and stuff that, you know, a few months out of the year, we're shooting them and eating them. And they have absolute fear of people in this, this little area and other little coves in the bay. 
they know they're safe and they well, we don't hunt pelicans but yeah, how cool is that look, look at that the, the, we have pelicans here too they're white and i know on the lakes and stuff but yeah on, on do the, they on, know they're do they know they're supposed to be on the ocean are they aware of it? Bob, so here's the other thing so kathy and our, our new house is on um canyon ferry it's a lake um and there are seagulls here so it's so weird as an Oregonian, former Oregonian, to be in Montana and look out the window and we'll see like seagulls flying by. And I'm going, what the hell is that doing here? So you'll, you'll get them in deserts, too. We'll get them back home. You'll be in some of the irrigated land out in West Texas or kind of northwest where they've got jalapeno fields and stuff like that. You'll see seagulls and they just they're they're a shorebird technically and by definition they're a shorebird but they'll live in the desert and any place that's irrigated and has plants and stuff particularly when uh, when ranchers go through and they're harvesting or they're tilling all the stuff back in the end of the year and it's kicking up grubs and all kinds of cool stuff those birds will have a heyday and they'll just follow behind the farm implements just eating everything that they can get their hands on or beaks as it were well so anything going on in Coos Bay, North Bend that people in Oregon need to know about? <laughs> you know, this, this is that time of year where festivals and things are starting to come back and we're super excited about it. Now, we had the barbecue blues and brews going on, was it a week ago, two weeks ago, and had some of the worst weather. I mean, dead of winter storm, man. Like, it was tearing things up. And then last weekend, last Saturday, they were calling for 50-mile-an-hour winds. We were batting down the hatches, and we ended up having the nicest day you could ever imagine. And it, the weatherman has never been more wrong. I have a little weather station on top of the roof, and it always spins, even a, a dead day, it spins a little bit, nothing. It wasn't moving at all. It was the nicest day we've had in Oregon in my entire time I've lived here, and they're predicting this meteorological disaster. Um, so we just don't know. We don't you know. know when I used to work on the news, I used to say John Fisher was our weatherman. And I used right. to say, if I'm as wrong as a news guy as you are, as a weatherman, I would lose my job. Of course, now that's just normal. <laughs> yes. Politicians, politicians, uh, weathermen, and I think that's it. I think well, that's pretty much it. I wouldn't throw anybody else on that bus. I wouldn't either. Well, maybe, maybe lawyers. You know, I've got such a good lawyer. I mean, honestly, I mean, what's the old joke? A uh, bus full of lawyers with two empty seats goes over a cliff and they all drown in a river. Uh, you know, what do you call it? A waste of two empty seats. But I've got a lawyer who is so awesome. He, he's like actual decent human being. So I'm pretty sure he's not going to last in the in the vocation. You have to say that because you use him a lot. Because listen to what you say. <laughs> <laughs> he can make me go to jail, Rick. Yeah. Hey, Rob, thanks for joining us and catch more fish. Have fun with your kids out there. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. I wanted to catch one while we were live. Maybe next time. Take care, okay. everybody. God bless America. All right. That's Rob ba uh, Basin Tackle out of Charleston, Oregon, live in Coos Bay, uh, catching fish and doing his thing. Um, if you're out there watching right now, share this on your page uh, just uh, so people can see it. I'm going to have a couple of commercials here from our sponsors. And uh, – you know, Derek Roser over at the Roser Real Estate Group, every Tuesday he goes, he's introducing us to different taco places. And then he gives us a little bit of a talk. It's, it's short, just about what's going on in the real estate market. Here's, here's, here's our man. Hey, welcome to the weekly taco tour. We're at El Taco Express on Centennial in Springfield. This is one of my go-to places. I've been coming here for probably 20 years and they have some of the best tacos. We've got the asada taco going on here and i know it's delicious but i'm going to give you a bite anyway 
Always good. Awesome. There's early signs that the housing inventory is starting to grow. Uh, and experts are saying that that's going to continue in the coming months. So that's a good thing for all you sellers out there. Um, what I would recommend is getting on the bandwagon and jumping on it now because you don't want to be competing against everybody else. If you're a buyer, that's great news for you also because that gives you more to choose from. Give me a call. Love, love to help you out. All right. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate your tacos and your talk and the information that you give us. So just like about an hour, oh gosh, it's probably just an hour or so ago. Um, I sat down with uh, our friends, uh, a gentleman named um, Andy Pollock, and he's out of, I didn't know at the time, he now lives in Grants Pass, Oregon. Uh, but I heard him recently on Lars Larson's show. He was talking about uh, school shootings. And um, he's unfortunately for him, he's kind of uh, an expert um, because some young man walked into a school in 2018 and shot his daughter nine times and murdered her. So it's a long interview, but I cut 10 minutes out of it for this show. And I'm going to do something else with the rest of it. I do a whole show on him. Um, coming up, and this is brought to you by Buck Sanitary Service. So here's uh, Andy Pollock. Joining me now is Andy Pollock, um, and he is in charge of what's called Why Meadow Died, a nonprofit that is uh, a movement, Meadows Movement. And Andy, I heard you on uh, Lars Larson, and I was really impressed with your comments. And we have similar belief systems. I think it's interesting that we live in a culture that blames an inanimate object for murder and, and doesn't blame the person behind who made the choice. And, and we keep doing this and the problem keeps going on. So I heard you wrote a book, we're gonna have this whole conversation, but first of all, start me off with your daughter. Tell us what happened, how old she was, when it was, that kind of give me the details that way. Well, my daughter was 18 and if you can believe she was the last She's the youngest out of 12 uh, kids, not that I have, my sister, my brother, 12 of the kids that went to Parkland, and, uh, and she, she's the one that got murdered, the last one going through that school system. So I really didn't know. I thought the school system was safe, but it, it just turned out that it was just a cesspool of uh, the liberal policies that affected the school, allowed this uh, animal to go through the school system uh, without being detected and being able to purchase a rifle and murder my daughter on the third floor in uh, Parkland, uh, February 14th, uh, 2018. And 17 ch uh, children, basically. Well, it's about 17 total. I think it was about 14 children and three adults. And so you started really digging into this and looking into it because you're a dad. And oh, by the way, Andy does, is uh, right now he's an Oregonian. Um, obviously, that Bronx accent is coming through, um, but he lives out at Eagle Point down in uh, the Medford area. So I didn't know that when I contacted you. But um, so you've started this organization. You wrote this book. So so what is the problem? What 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 is going on? I think because now we've had more shootings and more shootings and people keep blaming guns. And because and, it feels good to blame a gun, because you said if we could just not have guns, then they wouldn't do this. Well, it's easy, you know, to just point the finger at the gun and not really look at all the failures. You know, that that takes effort, you know, to look into the failures 
from uh, into these shooters, the failures of the, that day of what happens and response of what happens that, you know, to look into that takes time, effort and real solutions. Uh, like after Parkland, the, the media and a lot of the students went after our Second Amendment rights, blaming the gun. And honestly, I wasn't into politics at all when my daughter was murdered. The first time I ever voted well, I was in 2016 uh, when President Trump ran. I was just tired of uh, what was going on with the country and I saw the path of destruction. So I got behind President Trump and I voted and that was the first time. Uh, but after I went, dived into my daughter's school district and saw the policies that created the shooter and allowed it to happen, and who ran the county from the sheriff to the school district to the DA, uh, it really put some bad taste in my mouth towards uh, liberals. Uh, what, kind of what kind of policies, Andy, specifically that, you, that the school had that you think helped make this more possible for this young man to come in and do this, this, these murders? Well, what happened in a nutshell was in Broward County, uh, they thought uh, they, the superintendent came from Chicago, Robert Runcie. He fast forward to this day, he just was arrested uh, recently within the last year of perjury, felony, felony perjury charges from Ron DeSantis putting a grand jury investigation into the school district. So we're getting accountability in Florida. Uh, it's going and it's definitely, we're holding people accountable. So that guy who just was arrested, my luck, he comes from crappy Chicago and comes to Broward County. And they look at the records and they say, they see that African-American children are getting suspended and expelled and arrested more than Caucasians, right? So instead of looking into why it's happening and trying to help kids, they just decide that the schools and the police must be racist. And these kids are just getting picked out just because of their skin color. So they stop arresting. They, they put a program together uh, that would allow children three to four misdemeanors per school year without ever getting introduced to law enforcement. So a child, when my daughter was going to school, could sell drugs, assault a school teacher, rob a cell phone, uh, assault another student, and never get expelled or introduced to any law enforcement with misdemeanors. And every year, it was reset zero and they can oh, do another four you're so kidding what happened was this guy runcy looked at the stats now and says look at this i'm a miracle maker no one there's no i reduce suspensions and expulsions by 70 percent with my programs that i'm implementing so it's really just a falsehood so it's just this leftist policies of not holding kids accountable. So what happens is it affects the school districts, the teachers, the teachers get disgusted uh, because they have no way to discipline these kids. Teachers are getting abused, kids are fighting, they're selling drugs, 
But on the outside, it looks great because Runt, Superintendent Runcy reduced suspensions by 70% in that school district. So, Andy, let me ask you something. So the killer, how many times had he been suspended? Was he um, a person of, was he African-American? Was he black? Was it, you know, what was Caucasian, but it affects, it creates a, an environment in the whole school district, no matter what colored skin you are, you're not getting arrested. Uh, right. The teachers aren't, the teachers get disgusted because there's nothing they can do. And the students could get away with anything they want. Like, so had this, had this young man, the, the, the killer, had he been um, in trouble then? I, I mean, Oh, yeah. Since they had to strap him when he went to elementary school, he had to be strapped in on the bus. That's how terrible he was. Uh, one summer, he was going, he had mental health workers constantly going to the house. One summer, they could, there was a hatchet missing from the garage. And they were worried, they didn't, you know, this is all in his medical records. They were worried that they couldn't find the hatchet. But those same mental health counselors recommended he go to school that September with my daughter at the, at, at the high school. So what other problems have you found? Okay, that's, so that policy is pretty understandable that, yeah. Okay, so they're, they're letting kids, they're, they're not making kids accountable. And they're not, when they know there's mental health, because like the late, well, I, I guess there's not a latest shooting anymore. They're always, they're happening all the time. But the, uh, the shooting, um, gosh, which one am I thinking? Um, where, um, God, I can't, I'm just drawing a blank. The one in Buffalo, you, you think of the one in Buffalo at the supermarket or the one in Texas? The Texas. This is yeah, so bad that we, we have that to school in Uvalde. Yeah. So, so in that case, I had a, I talked to an expert who's a, a lawyer for um, gun rights. And she said within the second day, she found like something like 59 times he'd been, uh, you know, in trouble with the law. And the media didn't report that for like three days. They were saying they, and, and she was able to go in and look at his record that fast. So obviously there's a, a hole here. There's a warning that, that these kids, not that says they're going to be a killer, but that, that there's warnings coming up. And, and is that what bothers you as we yeah, keep the going? Biggest problem, I'm going to tell you, you know, all these politicians, whichever side of the fence they're on. Uh, the problem is like my daughter's, my daughter's murderer threatened to shoot the school up trespassed at the school, threatened to rape students. One time, the, the sheriff was at his house 45 times on record. He punched, one time he punched his mother's teeth out and never arrested, okay? You hear people always, they're talking, uh, they want background checks, universal background checks. Background checks only work if we arrest these criminals. Like even the one in Buffalo that shot up the supermarket a couple of weeks ago he was in school he threatened to shoot the school up wasn't arrested you know that's where we have the biggest problem in the country when you have these mentally sick evil people i call them they're just evil in general uh they make these threats and it's not taken to the utmost uh part of the, there is a, there's laws in place to protect us and they're not getting arrested these people And joining me now is Andy Pollack, um, and he is in charge of what's called Miracle Maker, 
No one, there's no, I reduce suspensions and expulsions by 70% with my program. He punched his mother's teeth out and never arrested. Okay. You hear people. So anyway, sorry about that. I <clears throat> messed up that part of the interview. Um, we have much more coming with Andy. Uh, we talked to him for, gosh, probably half an hour, 45 minutes. And I'll be bringing that to you. I just did not have time to put it on the show tonight. Um, yeah, some of you have been commenting and we've been watching this happen since Thurston and before. And it gets really old. Um, and I think what is so bothersome just to me personally is that um, we keep blaming the gun. And um, if you've done the background check, so we'll do a background check on people like you and me as to whether we can get a gun, which I have no problem with. But we're not even arresting kids that are killing people back before they end up killing people so that we can do a background check on what they're doing. We're not putting the pieces together. And that's a huge problem. And it needs to be settled. And later in the interview with Andy, he'll be, he says some things to the effect that, you know, this has got to change. And if it doesn't, uh, you're going to see huge, huge, huge problems. So we want to thank Buck's Sanitary Service for bringing us that story. And what does Buck's offer you? Well, let me just give you a little look at her. Dr. Michael Braliff from Chris Dental. For all those of you that sat back and did nothing while our civil liberties were taken away from us the last two years, shame on you. Shame on you for not fighting for our kids to be back in school and not having to wear masks. Shame on you for buying into political science, not actual science. For all those who did nothing next time, and there will be a next time, don't be complacent. Actually fight back. Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Chigger McGee. You can hear me on the wake up call, 6 AM to 9 on KPNW in the morning. Also streaming at KPNW.com. All right, here's a look at some of the stories we're following tonight. The armed California man who was arrested near the Maryland home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh has been identified now as Nicholas John Roski of Simi Valley, California. When he was arrested, he was carrying a gun, knife, and pepper spray and had made violent threats against Kavanaugh. Roski was picked up on a nearby street after he called police on 911 to report himself. The reason for that right now is unclear. A criminal complaint shows that Roski is being charged with attempting to murder a U.S. Supreme Court justice. He told officers, at least according to the court documents, he wanted to give his life purpose and purchase the gun and other items for the purpose of breaking into Kavanaugh's home and killing the justice, and then he planned to kill himself. 
Roski admitted during a second interview with the FBI of his intent to kill Kavanaugh himself, according to an affidavit that was in support of the criminal complaint. Roski told detectives that he was upset about the leak of a recent Supreme Court draft decision regarding the right to an abortion, as well as the recent school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. He believed Kavanaugh would side with Second Amendment decisions that would loosen gun control laws according to the affidavit. Well, Oregon's decriminalization of hard street drugs is now getting international press, and not in a good way. The UK Daily Mail published a scathing story after a legislative committee meeting on the ballot measure 110 last Thursday, where state officials admitted that over a quarter billion dollars in treatment money has gone unallocated, and a committee member complained that since measure 110 went into effect, that overdoses in her district skyrocketed 700%. An auditor also testified that the Oregon Health Authority has botched its role in getting drug treatment off the ground. Republican Party nominee for Oregon Governor Christine Drazen received a fairly notable donation to her general election campaign, $40,000 so far from the Republican Governors Association. It's thought that the early donation is an indication the group is going to heavily invest in Drazen's campaign as Republicans hope to finally take control of the governor's office. Well, as the nation marked the start of LGBTQ plus Pride Month and 50 years since the implementation of Title IX, recent statewide polls show most Oregonians say they support protections for gay and transgender students, but they're split on whether trans students should be able to participate in school sports that align with their gender identity. Now, Title IX is the federal law prohibiting discrimination in schools and federally funded programs and requires equal participation opportunities regardless of gender. Historically, Title IX helped ensure schools provided equal athletic facilities in practice time for both boys and girls. According to the Oregon Values and Belief Center survey conducted in May, 64% of respondents agreed with the latest interpretation of the federal law, which extends protections to transgender students, but far fewer agree with the full scope of the law. Polling data shows that only 41% of 1,674 survey participants said trans students should be allowed to play on sports teams that match their gender identity. 39% said that trans students should only be allowed to play on sports teams that match their gender identity at birth. Another 21% had no opinion or didn't know. Trans issues also followed political lines with 62% of Democrats supporting trans students being able to play on sports teams that match their gender identity and 74% of Republicans supporting restrictions to trans students playing on teams that meet their gender birth. Well, an investigative report from Portland's city auditor said that the Joint Office of Homeless Services is mostly to blame for allowing homeless veterans to languish for well over a year in moldy, expensive housing units. 
The auditor's investigation started after a tip to the city's fraud hotline reporting the joint office wasted money by continuing to pay to house veterans in the 32-unit Sandy Studios. The Joint Office of Homeless Services oversees homeless services across Multnomah County in a partnership between the county and Portland city governments. Auditors concluded, although other agencies were involved, the Joint Office should have stepped in sooner to fix poor conditions or move residents out. Instead, the agency spent almost a million dollars to house the veterans before the city actually condemned the property after a ceiling collapsed, revealing mass quantities of black mold. Veterans have complained problems from rats to mold to cockroaches were obvious for years, but maintenance requests were largely ignored. Of course, the Interim Joint Office Director, Shannon Singleton, indicated that she felt the auditor's concerns were overblown and that the report failed to take into account the pandemic and ignored that the agency had tried to remove residents from the buildings. Singleton added the agency had taken steps to prevent another similar situation, including hiring more people to upkeep the facilities. That's a look at your news for tonight. And so with that, Rick, roll out the reel. All right, Bill, thank you for your time and your help and your work. Um, that's it for this show. We just have one more little thing I'm gonna leave you with tonight. Um, if you would take this and share it on your page, that really helps us get the word out. Facebook sometimes likes to throttle us back. They want you to pay more um, to push things out, which we do pay some, but they want you to pay more. They're getting damn nasty about it. So yeah, if you could take that, share it on your page, it helps us get the word out. Um, we will be back tomorrow night. <clears throat> Kim Stark will be here. We'll be going live with Albert Taylor, uh, Endless Possibilities, their new office and the Springfield Chamber of Commerce talking with those folks over there. And I don't know what else we're going to have. We'll figure it out as we go. All right. Have a good night. I'll leave you with this. I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day, but um, when I was a 10-year-old boy, um, I, my mom would let me raise any kind of animals I wanted as long as I took care of them. And I had rabbits. Um, I even had a little place called Rabbit Hill where I had all those rabbits and, and they were important to me. I was, I'm big on animals. I, I'm very sensitive when it comes to animals. So at one time I had like 50 and they started getting this disease and all these rabbits, I was like four or five rabbits were dying a day. I'm a 10 year old kid, I haven't experienced death before, and I'm picking up animals that are hard and not moving and learning that's what happens when, when you die. And I remember going to my mom and I buried numerous rabbits and I was crying and I said, mom, I can't bury any more bunnies. And I remember my mom looking at me and she said, Ricky, I can't bury your bunnies for you. And it didn't mean that much to me at the time, but I, and I do remember her standing on the deck of our house watching me um, down in the yard burying rabbits. And I'd look up at her and she'd have tears running down her face. And I just thought that was kind of odd. Now I understand. So when I'm in therapy in my 30s, I went to my therapist and I said, you know, there's a bunch of dead weight in my life, dead things. And I said, I'm tired of, you know, burying this dead stuff. And I had this kind of vision from God and I saw God standing on the deck next to my mom, looking down at me 
with tears in his eyes and my mom had tears in her eyes. And I was in the yard burying my dad. And I remember God saying to me, Rick, I can't bury your dad. You have to do that yourself. What does that mean? I don't know. I know what it means to me. What does it mean to you? Just my thoughts for the day.